Welcome to Don't Do Disney Without Us. My name is Daniel. And my name is Zach. And why are we sound so hot? That's weird. I'm sorry I'm looking down here at the board because I feel like we're maybe coming in a bit hot. A bit hot. Well, we were just on an Alaskan cruise, which was very not cold, actually. Yeah, it was. We had great weather on the Alaskan cruise, by the way. Uh, If you are asking yourself, what are you talking about? What cruise are you guys talking about? We didn't even know that you did a podcast last week. That's because we did do an episode of this podcast on the cruise ship, but we put it out as audio only. So you have to head over to our audio site, which uh, I believe is anchor.fm slash don't dash do dash Disney. I think that's where you'll find us. Uh, We'll put the link down below in the doobly-doo, but the point is, if you want to hear our thoughts on the difference between Disney Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean, you should uh, check out last week's podcast. And mind you, they're very high-level thoughts, because we've only ever taken one cruise on each of those lines so far, but yes. Yes, but we were on a cruise, we had a great time. Uh, That being said, oh my God, uh, everything is just kind of like uh, happened here at Disney uh, while we were gone. The pin event had its... uh, uh, Ticket sale? What do you call that? The, Registration uh, began yeah. for the one family, one family pin, pin event, event. Mm-hmm. held in August of this year. Right. Um, the Ohana packages have sold out. That's your higher tier. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked to see if the other package sold out or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it did because this is the first in-person pin event Yeah. in person. In three years. It's the 20- first in-person pin event sponsored by Disney. Mm-hmm. Three years. In three years, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got our tickets to it. Uh, so if you got your tickets to the One Family Pin event, uh, let us know down below in the comments, and we'll look for you there at the event. Maybe we can we can be pen buddies. We can be pen pals. <laughs> kind of wait, a wait. thing. Pen pals or pin pals? Oh, we're going to get into that again. I'll, I will sick Alyssa <laughs> Lefferson on you. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what it is? I'm turning up the wrong thing. I should be turning up my headphone volume instead of that. All right. Is, you know what? We go away and we, I can't we, even say. We take say, one vacation and Daniel forgets how to use audio I can't even equipment. say that. I can't even say that because we use this audio equipment on the cruise. Anyway, also Pride Month started at Walt Disney World. Uh, also, I'm assuming in California. Uh, we were just there at Disney Springs last night for dinner. And uh, wow, they've gone all out this year for Pride More so than I remember in the past. Like they've always had the pride merchandise, but this year they've got banners hanging up everywhere. They've got the the Mickey heart hands with the pride heart in the middle of it over at Disney Springs. A lot of nice little uh, photo ops and and big settings over there. So it was nice to see. Uh, we will also be going to uh, the Kingdom on, in the middle of this month, June 20th. And then we're going to head over to Animal Kingdom with uh, our uh, friends. A week from tomorrow. Yeah, and we're going to head over to Animal Kingdom with our friends. So we'll see what the what the lay of the land is over there for their pride stuff. But uh, it, was, it was really nice. Did you their, think? Th- their pride stuff at Animal Kingdom? Yeah, like all the lions. Pride stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the lion stuff. You know what we learned on the cruise? A, uh, a group of otters is called a romp. Anyway, uh, we got an email, Zach. <laughs> And I don't have it on the the big screen over here. I only have it on my phone. So I I just wanted to, uh, this comes in from a good friend of our longtime podcast listener, my other podcast, uh, RT Cruiser from Australia. He says, I'm needing some expert advice on my upcoming Disney trip. Everything has changed since my lady visit. I'm assuming he meant last visit. (laughs) 
<laughs> but sometimes Australians have trouble with words. Uh, I'm going with my sisters, and I think we're only going to do two days. Last visit, I was just with one sister, and we did two park hopper tickets on consecutive days. It was pretty full on, but we were time limited. This time, we have more time and think we'll do a single park ticket for Disneyland and California Adventure with a day or two between the parks. Yes, okay. we, should, we, we, should, we should have prefaced by saying he's going to Disneyland. Yes. And we are not Disneyland experts. But we're not Disneyland novices. We're not Disneyland uh, strangers. We have been to Disneyland. I have been to Disneyland exactly once. I've been to Disneyland four or five times. But uh, in this case, I think a little bit of uh, uh, general knowledge about Disney as a whole would, would really benefit us here. As a whole... You don't really need a park hopper uh, if you're going to uh, spend the day in a park. If if your if your goal is to hit these particular rides, like there's a ride in this park I really want to do, and there's a ride in this park that I want to do, or there's a restaurant I want to eat at, and a ride over here, that's when your park hoppers become a viable thing, right? So that you don't have to buy a whole new separate admission to the other park. But if you're on a very casual vacation with family and you just want to enjoy yourself and you want to do this is Disneyland. There are 50 something attractions here I want to do, right? That's a full day. Then there's California Adventure. And there's like two things there. But, you know, you can spend a whole day there. But I think uh, those are both gross <laughs> over and underestimates. <laughs> My point is, is that even though it is trivial to walk between the two parks in California, which makes park hopping very nice over there. Uh, yeah, it's not necessary. You can get by without without spending that money for your upcharge. Uh, one of your next questions is asking us about Genie Plus. And my suggestion would be that instead of spending the extra money for the park hopper, just use that 20 bucks to buy Genie Plus for the day. Because n- number one, you are not a pass holder, so you don't have photo pass and things like that. So this will automatically give you all of the Disney photographers available to you. You can do photo pass uh, all day long. So you can get nice pictures uh, taken by professional photographers that you can download and have and share, whatever. That's cool. That, that's well worth the 20 bucks right there to me. Yes, I wish our Genie Plus included that, but it doesn't. But we can include it on our annual passes. Right. Yeah. So, and we have. Yeah. So absolutely, I think the photo pass is worth the 20 bucks. When we were out in California last time, that's we think I said the same thing. It was called Max Pass at that time. And we were just like, yeah, this is, it would be worth it for the photo pass alone. If I can cut the line of a couple of rides that I want to do, then that's just icing on the cake, right? That's, that's better. Uh, he and goes on to say in his email, I'm sorry, go ahead. I should say that I, I haven't used Genie Plus in Disneyland because I haven't been back to Disneyland since they've installed Genie Plus. But how do you but, think that would be any different than here? Because everything I'm hearing from people who have used it in Disneyland say mm-hmm. that it's very much worth it in Disneyland and helps out. So anecdotally, I would say yes, based on what people on the internet at large say. (laughs) I would say go for it. Save the money for the park hopping. Use it for the Genie Plus. Uh, It's a simple, easy system to use. You use it day of. You don't have to do a lot of pre-planning or whatever. You pull it up. You look to see what rides are available that you want to do, and you you make an appointment for them, and it's great. Uh, that we can give you other tips for Genie Plus. There's ways you can, you know, more popular rides. You want to book them early, even though it'll be a later time, but then you can make another one two hours later. It's very, but it doesn't need to be complicated. My thought is, don't worry about the uh, the park hopper. Um, he goes on to mention that his 
you know, they're not into thrill rides. They're not really into uh, motion, you know, like star tours and things like motion simulators and stuff like that. Um, however, he does have an interest in doing Rise of the Resistance. So Rise of the Resistance, um, correct me if I'm wrong, in both parks at this point, uh, are available as an individual lightning lane, which means you don't have to buy Genie Plus. You can right. just you can just buy it your buy it on its own, and it'll be anywhere from seven to fifteen dollars, or maybe more in California. I don't know what the prices are there, but under twenty bucks per person for that one ride, or you can just do standby. And I think at this point in time, the Rise of the Resistance standby, if you're there, you know, at park opening, whatever. I don't think the Rise of the Resistance standby is is atrocious. I don't think it's more than like forty five or you know thirty forty five minutes. I don't ever look up the wait times at Disneyland. So I don't want to say anything definitively. Yes or no. Um, I would honestly, if you're, if you're that interested in doing it, go for the individual lightning lane and then just keep an eye on the wait times. And if that's really something you want to do, stand in line for it. Yeah. Or if it's something you really want to do buy the individual lightning, well, they might sell out Hmm, possibly, but residence is, (laughs) It's like Runaway Railway. It's hard to say. It's not really, but <laughs> Rise of the Resistance. Yes, it is. It's very uh, when you're when you're talking fast. That's it's it's very challenging. Well, then slow down. This isn't NPR. Um, Rise of the Resistance has been out long enough now that I, I feel like uh, a lot of people who wrote it multiple times are not necessarily writing it multiple times anymore. So that kind of clears up some of the standby line there. It, it becomes one of those routine rides that we would hand, you know, we as pass holders would go like, oh, what's the wait for time for that? 45 minutes? Eh, no, wait, no. If it was 30 minutes, I'd do it, but yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely do whatever you can to make sure that you ride Rise of Resistance. Uh, also, I think it's a great idea to take a break between the two days that you do the parks because you tend to do a lot of walking in these parks, like more so than you do in your daily life. And on top of that, something that you never really think about is you do a lot of standing and it's kind of two different muscle groups that you have, you know, for walking and for standing. So even someone who is, you know, an avid walker that does, you know, seven to 10,000 steps a day, every day on their Fitbit and, uh, you know. He's talking about himself. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Even those kind of people are going to have some aches and pains when they're standing still for an hour or an hour and a half. Yes. As we learned at the last pin event, you need to practice standing or get a mobile well, they don't. Yeah. Thingy. No, they're not, in Aust- not, they're not going to bring a, it from Australia. Not not a scooter. A, a <laughs> no, Zuka. Here's what you want to do. Uh, my suggestion is start about sixty days away from your trip and just start practicing standing still. You can do it while you're watching TV at night. Just like stand for the entire length of like a half hour TV show, like for twenty something minutes, and then work your way up to just standing for an hour while you're watching TV, just to kind of get your body acclimated to the fact that you're going to be standing still. You're going to be shifting your weight between your feet and kind of, you know, finding your comfortable space to stand still. The good thing is you'll be standing in California heat and not Florida heat, which is much more bearable. It's not the heat, it's the humidity. Uh, And his final question was, they wanted to do a nice sit-down restaurant while they were there, and they feel like a lot of the theme park food is really just kind of counter service and fast food. So they were asking for restaurant advice. So... If, if you were here in Florida, we have, you know... We could give you all the restaurant <laughs> advice, or at least all the restaurant advice yeah. that we've had. However, in California, if you're looking for table service restaurants, there aren't that many in the parks. Um, so you're kind of restricted to, in Disney World, I mean, excuse me, in Disneyland, having Blue Bayou 
and uh, who was the other that they had over there? Plaza Inn, yeah, the Plaza Inn, and uh, and Blue Bayou. We've eaten at Blue Bayou. It was good. I think the atmosphere is nicer than the food. So I, I honestly don't remember how either of our meals tasted, given that they were so long ago. <laughs> and then at California Adventure, there you were going to say California Grill, weren't I was, you? I was over at California Adventure. There's Carthay Circle, which we've eaten at, and it was also good. Uh, it wasn't super memorable, but it was good. It, w- it was a very nice restaurant. Um, the the facade and the theming of the restaurant are probably better than the food. And the one restaurant that I have eaten at California Grill that I, California Adventure that I really really liked was the Wine County no the Wine Country Trattoria. It's kind of like an uh, uh it's it's down near Ariel's adventure, but it's, uh, it's up on a little hill there and there it's a full winery, you know, they have a full wine menu there as well as really good steaks. And, uh, I've enjoyed my meals that I've been there and it's not super expensive or anything like that. Um, one of the things that you might want to think about if you want to eat at the park and the reason that we ate at blue Bayou and at Carthay circle is that we bought a nighttime entertainment package for a dining package yeah, for so, Fantasmic right. and world of color. So for Fantasmic, you can include your dinner you can and, get dinner and a show. And a reserved area for you to watch Fantasmic from. So it is a, an area, you don't have to fight the crowds to try to get closer to it. You have your own reserved area where you can eat at. And of course, the nicer the restaurant you eat at, the better your reserved area is, which is why we ate at Blue Bayou and Carthay, which are the two top tiered restaurants. They're, those are the signature restaurants in California. So that and, is something you might want to think about. I don't know if any of that has changed since they've brought these shows back post pandemic. Mm-hmm. So just be warned things might have changed, but well, I mean, I'm looking right here, the right. world of color dining package. Right. But and, I, I don't know if it's true necessarily anymore that your money gets you a better spot given that they're trying to like manage people. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. Enjoy a, a three course meal, then experience phantasmic from your table or a reserved viewing location. So yeah, it's same thing. Uh, both shows, by the way, highly recommend seeing both shows at, in the evening. World of Color over at Disney's California Adventure and Fantasmic over at uh, Disneyland. Yes, Disneyland's Fantasmic ruined the uh, Walt Disney World version for me. But uh, Also, uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade is going on uh, right now. So that is also another nighttime thing that you can see at Disneyland. I hope that we answered your questions. Uh, if you are a Disneyland aficionado. And that, we are completely off base. Yeah. And make sure you tell us down in the comments or, or on Twitter or, or email somewhere. Us somewhere, reach out to us and we will be happy to, uh, to bring it all back up. Okay. Let's talk about the news that happened in the Disney verse. This, you know, I didn't even start the show with our whole normal, explanation of what we are and everything i mean do it's you just, need to it's just going downhill i didn't tell you what episode number this was i didn't it's like, 16 the magic is gone folks no the magic is calling it's, it's the budget answer budget. the call bob chapek has slashed our budget and now we are non-existent budget <laughs> all right quick hits uh number one finding nemo the big blue dot 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 and beyond debuts uh, tomorrow at the time that we're recording this, uh, today at the time that you're watching this, if you're a first day watcher, on June 13th. Uh, but guests visiting Disney's Animal Kingdom on June 11th were treated to a surprise when the show Soft opened that day. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yep. Uh, until its debut, the show will be performed... You mean upon its debut? Well, I... Yep. <laughs> upon its debut... 
what, I don't know. I'm not reading anything. I'm making this up. Uh, this show will be performed six times daily at 1030, 1130, 1230, 1230, and 430 post Meridian. I know you very much liked the drone show that they had at Disney Springs several yes. years ago. Yes. And drone technology has just continued to advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured that would be something that you specifically would very much like. I would. By the way, backing up a little bit, our, we're going to go see Finding Nemo, Finding Nemo uh, in the Big Blonde, uh, June 25th. Finding Nemo in the Big Beyond? In the Big Blonde. <laughs> Finding Nemo in the Big Blonde. Reading is hard. We're going to go see that. On June 25th with our good friends, uh, Taylor and Bob Luke. So we're going to go over and see that show then. Uh, and I'm super excited about it because that was one of my favorite shows at Animal Kingdom. So uh, we will let you know how it is. Uh, yeah, the drones at Disney Springs were awesome. I also thought the Star Wars event that they did after they opened our uh, Batu here. Uh, Galaxy's, Galaxy's Edge. Edge when they opened it here. Uh, about a week or two afterwards, they did a a drone show where they had drones that looked like X-wing fighters that like came down over the, the rise. And then there was radio chatter between them. And then they kind of dropped beyond the horizon and then they went to hyperspace. It was kind of cool. It was kind of, I'm all for drones. Uh, the problem here in Florida is that you would have to shut down world drive to do that show. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you got to deal with aviation laws and all sorts of red drones. And- Blah, blah, blah. Drones are incorporated into a lot of things now. On some of, when we were looking at the Royal Caribbean ships in entertainment, there are several of their sh- uh, ships where part of the entertainment, they have drones in the ice show and on in the Royal Theater. Like drones like fly out over the audience in a pattern and stuff. Like little mini drones and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, so yeah, good for you, Disneyland. Now bring them to us. Uh, Victoria and Albert's at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa will reopen on July 28th. Reservations will be available starting on June 20th. Both the dining room and menu have been newly reimagined for the opening. We have never eaten at Victoria and Albert's. We have not. And I don't know that we're going to anytime soon. That is the most expensive meal on property for a good reason. (laughs) Uh, It was. It did not. This year, because it was not open to receive a Michelin star, but it, it was, has been a Michelin star rated restaurant in the past. The only one on Disney property. And uh, it also has a dress code. So you can't just yeah, suits and ties yeah. and et cetera. But apparently their chef's table is quite, quite amazing. Uh, go ahead. Uh, due to popularity, uh, overflow outdoor seating has been added to Connections Cafe and Eatery at Epcot in the breezeway between it and the Creation Shop. Oh, that's nice. I, I like outside seating as a general rule, uh, especially if they're the thing I don't like about the outside seating. What little there is at Epcot is that it's not shaded. It's all in yeah. the sun. But if they have outside shaded seating area, I'm there. I like uh, outside seating. Yeah. And apparently Sheet, they've started, shading. they've started blocking off the seats inside because mm-hmm. I guess people were going and like trying to steal tables before they were open. And uh, Disney has put a stop to that. There you go. Be nice people. Be nice to one another. There's enough tables for us all. This, there's no need to turn but there this. there aren't. That's why they had to add more outside. <laughs> there's no need to turn this into a Royal Caribbean buffet. Uh, number five, Shanghai Disneyland, which has been closed due to COVID concerns, resumed select, op- select operations on June 10th. These include Shanghai Disney Resort's Wishing Star Park, the World of Disney Store, the Blue Sky Boulevard, the Lakeshore Boat Rental Service on Wishing Star Lake, 
<sighs> and the Disney car in Coke Park. Croke, Croke, Coke? I have no idea what that is. I mistyped that. What is it? I don't remember. <laughs> The, the parking lot. These are a whole bunch of things I've never heard of before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the Blue Boulevard is open. <laughs> Shanghai Disneyland itself remains closed. <laughs> but, 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 but hallelujah, you can go to the, to the bright, blue, no, to the blue sky Boulevard. Do you drive on that? I don't okay. know. What's I've next? never been there. <laughs> Read the rest of the sentence. <laughs> no, I'm done with this. Go ahead. What's next? Uh, construction has begun on the beach and Luau Cove at Disney's Polynesian Resort in preparation for the new DVC tower to be installed there. Cue the Twitter meltdown about them tearing down the Aloha Show uh, pavilion. Uh, that was like six months ago. I know, but now they're actually starting. They're actually going to bring in a, a crane and start tearing it down. I actually don't think it was that long ago. Time, time doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I never was a fan of the Luau Show. Uh an outdoor show in Florida with no uh, temperature control or bug control. No, just wasn't my favorite. Uh, let's see. Uh, the digital tip boards in Epcot's World Discovery and World Nature neighborhoods have been themed to their respective locations. The sides of each board now features that neighborhood's color. Which are red and green. That's right. Uh, if, if you have no idea what we're talking about... The overhaul for Epcot, the reason that there's so much construction is they're renaming the areas of the front of the park. So there'll be World Nature, which is on your way over heading to the Living Seas, going through the new Moana exhibit and going to the Living Seas and the, land, the Living with the Land. And then there is World Discovery, which is where you'll find Guardians of the Galaxy, Mission Space, and for some reason, Test Track. Uh, and then there's World Celebration, which is going to be the center area. Everything else that yeah. isn't World Showcase. Well, except for apparently the Imagination Pavilion is like just off on its own. And isn't it like World? No, it's in, it, it's considered World. It's like World Forgotten it, IP or something like that. Poor Figment. <laughs> be nice. Okay, next. Minivan service will return to the Walt Disney World Resort on June 29th. I don't think we took a picture to it. The last time we left Epcot, we were pulling out. And all the minivans were in one of the Epcot parking lots, like all lined up with no drivers, you know. Just ready to go. Getting them all ready. I don't know if we took a picture of that or not. We did not. It's kind of cool. The refurbishment of the Memento Mori gift shop at Magic Kingdom has been completed, which uh, about half the store was blocked off last time. Yeah, it's now much more wide open and easier because it was cramped. Yeah. That that store was tiny. The very tiny store. Yes. Um, But there's room for a thousand. No, that, that, whatever. We have 999 trinkets in this store, but there's room for a thousand. No. The 120-minute rule has been made official and now appears in language on both the Disney website and the My Disney Experience app. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't know what that is, Lightning Lane selections must be made one at a time, and in order to make a new one, you must either redeem your existing Lightning Lane selection or wait 120 minutes, which is two hours, from the time you made your previous one. The two-hour wait begins when the park in question opens, even if you make your first booking at 7 a.m. Oh. So if you make your first thing at 7, but your park doesn't open until 9, you're not eligible until 11. Right. Or until you... Right. Tap into your. So this isn't really lane. a change in policy. This is just a change in wording. It, 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 it's making something that was not necessarily official official. Okay. Like it, it, it's it's now it's now you, you you can't argue with anybody about it. It's right there in plain print. All right. If you're a fan of Tonga Toast, 
I wouldn't know. We can't get a reservation. Uh, be aware, Kona Cafe at Disney's Polynesian Resort will be closed on August 15th for refurbishment. I was not aware of this. It when, is, when is the pin event? The 12th and 13th. Okay, thank God. So we can still try to get into Kona Cafe or while we're staying there. Yes. Uh, a reopening date has not yet been announced. Guests will be able to get select breakfast, lunch, and dinner offerings via mobile order from Kona Island. Uh, although you can always get your Tonga toast over at Captain Cook's, uh, but not with the strawberry right. stuff. It's, it's slightly different from the one they serve at Kona Cafe. And I think it's cheaper. Yeah. Also, backing up to the very beginning of the program, uh, RT Cruiser, Disney Food Blog is a great resource to try to find good sit-down restaurants at both Disney World and Disneyland. Yes. So. You just have to wade through their sea of clickbait headlines. Uh, but if you could go directly to their site, you can filter it by Disneyland and see. Uh, and that is it. Those are the, the, the quick hits of the week for our news. So all that is left for us to do is our heroes and villains. I was just looking. We actually got another email from uh, our friend Sater uh, in California mm-hmm. who has his, it just says, just wanted to add a recommendation for our, t- uh, this is from our show about table service restaurants. Okay. He wanted to add a recommendation. Unfortunately, it's a voicemail and I just realized that it's a voicemail and it's not loaded to play here. So I apologize, Sater. We will play it. Um, Next week. Next week. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, Let's end this now with our heroes and our villains of the week. This is an even number show, so you can start with your hero. Who's your hero this week? Um, We touched on it a little bit already, and we've touched on it previously, but uh, Disney for, and you can, you know, argue the goodness or badness of this, given that lots of corporations do it, but Disney's attempts to make Mm -hmm. their inclusion key real in at least performative ways by putting out pride photo ops at the parks and in Disney Springs. I just learned that today there's one on the backside of the imagination pavilion that I want to go take a picture at because that's the most rainbowy place in Epcot. It literally had a rainbow tunnel. It did back in the day. Uh, Yeah. I would say the other thing that often we don't talk about, I don't think enough is Disney is donating all of the profits, not a portion, all of the profits of their pride merchandise sales in the month of June so any, any place you buy them, Disney Springs, and they're everywhere. Disney Springs, any of the hotels, any of the parks, Shop Disney, any of the pride collection that you buy, 100% of the profits are being donated to several different LGBT uh, organizations. Right. I don't remember all of them right now. You can find it online. Um, but yeah, kudos to them for doing that. Right. If, if you're going to engage in the so-called rainbow capitalism, do yeah. so at Disney. Don't do it at Universal. Uh, and let's see, my hero of the week is the Motley Fool. Uh, they are a blog that gives investment advice, but they called out my villain of the week on their misleading, uh, story that they ran online. So, uh, I would just like to tip my hat to the Motley Fool blog for discrediting the, oh my God, the Star Wars hotel is a huge colossal failure article. That was printed by my villain of the week that we will get to next. Who is your villain of the week? My villain of the week is Fatherly. Some weird blog I've never heard of, but it somehow popped up on my Google News feed. And the headline was uh, the colossal failure of the Disney Starliners is, you know, Disney is in a panic over the colossal failure of the Disney Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, Because they're asking people to participate in a roundtable discussion. They're asking people to participate in a focus group. And I'm like... 
that doesn't really scream like failure. And as the Motley Fool article pointed out, they're booked through the middle of August. It's like, yeah, okay, they don't, they're not fully booked for November, December, or September, but that's four months away. That's, there's, they, it's been they're, sold out for every month that it's been in service. So I would hardly call it a failure. And there will be a time when that thing is not fully booked because yeah. everybody who really, really, really wants to do it yeah. has done it. it the, the other misleading thing and the thing that these, these clickbait blogs love to just drop on here is that they'll print a picture of the, the available reservation dates for the Star Cruiser. But that's a binary representation of 100 rooms in that hotel. If 99 of those rooms are sold and one is unsold, then the date is going to show up as available. <laughs> it's like you have no way of knowing, is that one room available? Is that six rooms available? Is that 42 rooms available? Most hotels in the world operate off of, you know, like what, 60 to 70% capacity. That's like their break-even point. So you have no way of knowing. And it, the point is, it's just uh, people love to hate. <laughs> They're gonna, it's like they love to just uh, jump on things that, that don't really. I thought The Motley Fool did a great job of just, just like taking their article down. So if you get a chance, uh, look for those. Don't look for the fatherly, fatherly one. Just look for The Motley Fool. They quote the, the, the necessary parts. I'm going to have to look that up now because I would uh, like to see a glorious takedown of someone's BS Disney article. There, there need your, to be more of those. Who is your villain of the week, Zach? STK Orlando. Oh. We had them for dinner last night because you really wanted a steak. Now, let's be clear. STK Orlando is the one at Disney Springs. So it is, it, it's, it's not the one on International Drive or anything like that. This is the one that is on Disney Springs. So it's on Disney property. It's part of the Disney Springs. Yes. It's top of the hill right across. We, the had, we had multiple options for steaks. We did. Most of which we've had before. Yes. And so we chose one that we hadn't had before. Right. Because that's how you find new things. Right. And I mean, I knew going in from reading Disney food blog articles and whatnot that they thought it was a tad overpriced for Disney, mm-hmm. even for Disney, mm-hmm. and that the food was just merely okay and that there's better steak on property. And you know what? I agree with both of those things. But the, but the spicy watermelon cocktail that I had was so good. It was so good. It was small, but it was good. Yes. It, I mean, it's fine. If it's your only possible steak option on property, but it is more expensive than almost all the other Disney steakhouses. It's, it's misleading. Their fillets are about on par with everyone else, but their ribeyes and stuff get really outrageous. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine, but there's better. So STK, uh, full disclosure, STK is a chain restaurant that, you know, exists in New York city and other places in the country, in Florida, even so it's not. This is not like an exclusive Disney restaurant or whatever. This is a chain restaurant that has a location at Disney Springs. So yeah, STK was, eh, it was all right. Yep. Eh. But we had really good, surprising salt and straw ice cream afterwards, which made up for it. That's true. Okay. Uh, That is all that we can talk about this week. We are going to bounce out of here. And all we would uh, like to ask you to do is if you have any comments you want to leave us, either leave them on our YouTube channel. uh, If you're watching this video there, if, uh, if you're listening on our audio channel, you can send us an email. Our email is don't do Disney at gmail.com. Uh, and we would happily interact with you. Even you Sater, whose voicemail we didn't play tonight. 
we, I'm sorry, that is my bad. I was on a cruise ship and, and uh, I missed it. But we will get to it next week. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. We love uh, any kind of interaction that we have with you. Uh, keep in, uh, keep watching the YouTube channel. However, we do have a lot of videos coming up from the cruise. We will be doing right. We've you know, got daily cruise. We've got cruise vlogs. videos. Yeah. We've got a Fort Wilderness got, video. Yeah, we've got, got some pins to deal with. I know the pin show is coming up, so we're going to have a lot of pin show videos and stuff like that. So it'll be great uh, for content outside of the podcast realm. So if you're an audio only listener, head over to YouTube.com/slash/wdwaristocrats. That's where the action happens all that is left for me to do is to request that you please don't do disney without us